Welcome to Blog Talk Radio in high fidelity. Whether it's from the Zika virus, uh, from the dirty water, 
and, and whether it's from the crime. It's all about safety. We've been talking about safety throughout the course of these Olympics. So you can understand why the Brazilian government is up in arms about this particular situation. You're sullying the name of the Brazilian government. You're making it seem like it's unsafe. It's dangerous. You can't be out there. Something bad's going to happen to you. Stay far, far away. So the reality is they had to come out. And the reality is you can understand why they're upset. But you look at Ryan Lochte and his boys and the stupidity involved with this. I mean, you got you're 32 years old. You got to be a little more responsible with your liquor, a little more responsible with your alcohol. I mean, come on. You got to be smarter than that. You're not a kid. You're not in college anymore. This is not like a, you're not a frat boy anymore. You know what I mean? You gotta, you gotta be smarter. And then they come up with this story to make the whole situation worse. I mean, Ryan Lochte has done big things during his career at the Olympics. Twelve medals. Twelve medals in his Olympic career. He's done some big. He's done some big things. But now, he's probably going to be known for what transpired at that gas station. And, and maybe not what transpired at that gas station, but what transpired after the gas station coming up with the lies. Ryan Lochte and his boys, you guys acted like thugs. So now you, you, you wonder with this thug-like behavior by Ryan Lochte, you wonder now, is he going to get that on his stomach? A la Tupac Shakur. I mean, are, are we going to see that? Thug like Ryan Lochte. And, and I want to say this. You know, if, if you want to, I think if you look at it, and I call these guys thugs because this is thug-like uh, behavior. There's, there's no getting around that. This is what thugs do. And then you compound that with a lie. And here's the thing about a lie. You lie once, you got to lie again. And you lie after, you got to keep on lying. And lying. And lying. It's a lot easier to tell the truth. But he panicked. And they came up with this cockamamie story. So, Betts, Conger, Fegan, Lochte. Thug life, baby. Because that's what you guys did. That's what it was. You acted like thugs. You didn't act like U.S. Olympians. You, 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 you don't, you're not. This is not a good look for you. This is not a good look for your country. Ugly American type of behavior. You guys are better than that. But at the end of the day, I mean, should they do jail time? I don't think so. I, I think, you know, I, I think we over-incarcerate in general. So I don't think jail time is necessary here. But I, I, obviously their name has been sullied, rightfully so. And, and so moving forward, you hope all those guys learned a lesson. Lochte said he learned a lesson. Time will be the judge of that. And time is always the judge of all everything. But he, he told the lie. Skip town, left his boys there, had his boys get taken off a flight. I mean, he just 
No loyalty there from Ryan Lochte. He got out, got out of Dodge. Now he said that this was already planned, but who knows? Who, who knows what to believe? This is a guy who had a reality TV show at 1.2. So maybe this is good for his reality TV show business. Who knows? Can't be good for a sponsor at this point, but it's got to be good for the reality TV show business. So maybe Ryan Lochte will do some big things in reality TV moving forward. But at the end of the day, you look at this whole situation, it's a bad look. It's a bad look. And it was thug-like behavior. And that's it. Bottom line, thug-like behavior. And so we'll see what happens moving forward with Ryan Lochte and the rest of his boys. But hopefully, 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 those guys have learned a valuable lesson. And hopefully they can move forward and become better people. We'll see. Time will be the judge of that. You're listening to Go For It on Block Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Go For It, Donald Faison. Your Knicks have the best chance out east, though. I will say that. The Knicks have the best chance in the Eastern Conference to beat the Miami Heat. And the Knicks have had some success against the Miami Heat in the regular season, but that doesn't see. mean anything in the playoffs time. When the playoffs come, it doesn't true. mean anything. I was, trying to throw uh, you, you know I was trying to throw you a bone, man. I was trying to get your, nah. your hopes up. Come on, man. I'm a realist, <laughs> too, man. <laughs> Actor Robbie Jones. Well, we know that you know. We know that you can tempt married women. We've seen you. You, you have a pedigree. We see what you can do. We've seen it. I would never bring my wife around to. I just don't know what you're capable of. Come on now. Come on now. That's all right. That's not Robbie. That's called brother. All right. Sounds good. Thank you so much. You're very, very good at your job. Thank you, sir. Make it fun. You really do. <laughs> and we're back. Go for it, talking sports, having fun doing it. Paul again here. We're about to bring in a guy now. Football career cut short through injury, but through all of that, he may have found his true calling in life. Let's bring him in now. Former South Carolina running back, former San Francisco 49er running back, Marcus Lattimore. Marcus. How's it going? I appreciate you guys having me on. Thanks for joining us. Absolutely. Absolutely. And now, Marcus, good news for you. You got your degree. You promised your mom yes, you would get your degree. What did it feel like? And what's it feel like to be a college graduate? Well, I will tell you, um, I come from a family where the expectation level was set uh, with my siblings. You know, they all had their degrees, and um, I left early as a junior to go to the NFL draft and, you know, try to pursue my dream one more time. And when I left, I felt a little bit uncomfortable because, I was the only sibling that did not have my degree. And I knew I had to go back at some point. Um, I didn't think it would be as early as it was. Um, I enjoyed my time out in San Francisco, but unfortunately it did not work out. And I I was 
determined uh, when I retired from the NFL that I was, that that I had to go back. I mean, first of all, I promised my mom that, and second, I know that's something somebody can never take away from me. I mean, knowledge is power, education is power, and I truly believe that, and that's what I preach now to all the uh, young kids and young adults that I work with today. And you're doing that through the Marcus Lattimore Foundation. Tell us about yes, that. Yes, sir. It, it really all started as an idea. You know, me and my stepdad, I'm sitting in the surgery bed after that second injury against Tennessee, and um, you do a lot of thinking. You do a lot of soul searching. You really try to find yourself during those times of adversity. And I knew I wanted to start something for student athletes, who, in particular, who have been injured. So what we do is we educate. We educate them on the process. Uh, psychologically, I help them out when they're going through an injury. Um, physically, on the physical side, I partner with a company, The Extra Inch. One of my best friends, DJ Johnson, is the head trainer, and he helps them out on the physical standpoint. So we hit all three elements, and we also have three different components. Uh, but we've serviced over 2,000 student athletes. Uh, we did eight camps this summer in the state of South Carolina, different fitness camps, football camps. And we're really preaching health and wellness and trying to educate the parents as well as the student athletes. But um, we also do a little bit of outreach. Uh, and we went to a few areas, especially low socioeconomic areas that, um, you know, just don't have the resources available. And, you know, we do a Thanksgiving project and we also do a Christmas project where we take a few kids shopping. And I mean, it's just I, I, I didn't know what I wanted to do when I retired. I mean, I know I wanted to be involved in health and wellness in some capacity. But, I mean, this platform that football has given me, um, I've been able to touch a lot of lives. So it, the foundation is going well, and I, I really appreciate you asking that. So, so let me ask you this. And, and going back when you had the injury and everything, when that injury went down against Tennessee, Tennessee did you think at that point that your career possibly could be over? I, I did. I, I absolutely did. Um, the night before that game, the Friday night, I was a team captain, and I told the team, guys, go out there and play every play like it's your last because it may be your last. And little did I know, with four minutes going into the second quarter, uh, I take power right, and the guy hits me directly on my knee, and I couldn't feel a thing. Um, wow. And I asked the athletic trainer, was I done? And he said, yes. And what I meant by that was done forever. And at that moment, at, at my lowest moment, I couldn't get any lower. Um, I really, I really felt, I really felt empty. I felt okay. empty as a human being I, because I never cheated. I never quit. I worked hard. I respected everybody. And I had to ask the question, why did this happen to me? But Fortunately, I have great people around me, and I thought about all the people that I would hurt, all the people that look up to me if I was just if I was to just give up give up on life because I thought about it. I thought about it many nights, many times that you know maybe this life isn't for me, mm -hmm. uh, but you know God works in mysterious ways, and I was able to get back up and get drafted. Did you blame God? I blame God. I was mad at God. I was I was angry at God. 
because I did the thing. I did things right for the most part. I did. I put in that extra time, and I knew guys who didn't put in that extra time. So it made me mad. Yes, I asked God, why did He do this to me? For but sure, for sure. He's had, you, I fast forward two and a half years later, it's the biggest blessing that ever happened to me, and I wouldn't change it for the world. So let me ask you this now. When that whole injury happened, and ultimately you made a comeback, you were drafted in the fourth round by the 49ers, you know, you, you tried to come back, you tried to come back, but when did you realize during that comeback that it wasn't going to happen? Uh, from a mental standpoint, I was I was tip top and you know I knew my place I knew exactly what I was supposed to do I felt confident that I could but my body wasn't responding and that came around August of 2014 right when training camp had started just around this time right now two years ago uh, when training camp is starting and I just noticed my knee was not responding the way I wanted it to um, it was swell up I couldn't make those cuts like I used to. It's been two years, you know, so I thought going through that whole process, um, I would definitely be further along than I was, and I wasn't. And, I, you know, I worked hard. I did everything I could. And and, and it, that realization came around in August, but I tried to push through it, uh, through September, through October, and finally I just asked God, what do you want me to do? And... You know, I woke up the next morning and I could barely walk. Uh, I left everything out on the field. And I retired on November 5th, 2014. And I retired at peace. Okay. We're talking to Marcus Lattimore. So let me ask you this. You said you retired at peace. At that moment or any moment, did you, obviously you prayed to God for a healing of some sort. Absolutely. So when you, I know you were at peace, but there still had to be that same disappointment at the same time, no? Absolutely. I mean, it was disappointment after disappointment. I mean, in 2011, I told my ACL my left knee. Three months after that, my grandmother died. Six months after that, my grandfather died. Three months after that, I dislocate my right knee and then I retire. I mean, you take the game away from me that I that I work. I worked to get to this level. I made it, but I didn't make it. And I worked so hard to get to that level, and I don't even get a chance to play. Of course, I was upset, right. and I was mad again. Uh, but but uh, again, I've just been very 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 fortunate in my life to have great people around me, great family, great teachers, great coaches, great mentors, uh, people who invested in me on a higher level. And when you ask God uh, for things, he gives you three answers. He says, yes. And I asked for healing. I said, God, will you heal me? And I said, God, please heal me. And he either says, yes. He says, not yet. Or he ha- or he says, I have something better in mind. And I think he had something better in mind. And, I mean, I'm, I-, I can genuinely say um, right now, I'm happiest in my life as I ever been. Did, did it? Did I hate watching football in 2015? Yes, but I'm over that now. I love the game. I cheer on my guys, uh, all the guys that I played with, and I'm excited for this football season. Now, do you still pray for a healing? I do, absolutely. Okay. 
Absolutely, and, and I, I still work out three times a week. Um, I go to a, a, a local gym, Core Wellness, and the lady is awesome. Um, she helps me a lot. She's a physical therapist by trade, but she's certified in kettlebell instructing. So I feel good physically. I can run. I can jump. I can do what I want. And, you know, I'll be able to play with my kids one day. And that that's going to feel good. So hypothetically, you're praying and you continue to pray. The knee starts to feel a little better. It starts to respond pretty well to workouts and things of that nature. Would you possibly attempt a comeback? Why'd you have to ask that? <laughs> um, I, I think I'm. I think I'm at peace with football. I think I'm done with football. Um, I love teaching. I'm a local coach um, at a high school right here, about ten miles away from my house in Columbia, South Carolina. Um, I think I'm done with football. Well, I for sure. I'm 100% sure I'm done with the physical side of football. But I always okay. love the game for everything it gave to me. But um, you probably catch me in some flag football. But no, not competitive <laughs> NFL. That's a whole nother level. We're, we're talking to Marcus Lattimore. And so, Marcus, so, so let me ask you this now. Obviously, you found your true purpose in life. And through that adversity, when you were at your lowest, is when you found your true purpose. Let's, do you think if you would have played professionally and been a big-time star that maybe things wouldn't have worked out for you, maybe on a personal side, maybe God was keeping you away from football because he knew something else negative could happen to you? Mm, I mean, that, that's interesting. That's a, uh, That's a – different perspective and I mean it's it, it's it's something obviously that I, I've thought about you know I've thought about every every scenario what if I did go on and play 10 years in the Hall of Fame what if I you know did win a Super Bowl and become a rushing champion um, because those were my dreams I can tell you that uh, by the time I was 20 years old I had set my goals I knew I wanted to be drafted in the first round I wanted to win a Super Bowl I wanted to rush for 10,000 yards and I wanted to be in the Hall of Fame so those were my dreams, and um, I've, I've had more injuries. I've had my fair share of injuries uh, throughout my years of playing ball. I've had a few concussions, a lot of a lot of knee injuries, and you know a few shoulder things. But you know, maybe, maybe he was. Maybe he was sending me uh, in a direction. Maybe he was giving me a voice. You know, for potential student athletes who go through the same thing, uh, and who have to make that hard decision of do you stay or do you leave or or do you keep playing or do you not keep playing i mean maybe maybe i'm maybe i am a voice for that um and 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 it's something that is very impactful in a young man's life uh because because of what i've been through i can use this story i can use my story i can use my trials my tribulations um to help other nfl or other college athletes who who may be debating I mean, who may be on the fence about something. So I, 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 I can, I can roll with that and, and I'm, I'm happy to do that. Um, but yeah, absolutely. How good would Marcus Latimer have been if he stayed healthy? Oh man, I'm telling you, and, and, you know, I've never been a guy 
to, to toot my own horn. I mean, I've always had a great offensive line in front of me. Uh, but, I mean, when it came to the little things, I think I did that the best out of anybody. You know, falling forward for those extra two yards. You know, making sure the fundamentals were taken care of. Catching the ball out of the backfield. Uh, blocking linebackers. Uh, you know, just making sure everything was 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 taken care of. And I'm a, I'm a team guy. I'm a team player. Um, I, I had a lot of power. I had a lot of speed. Uh, I, I don't know how far I could have gone. And we'll never know. <laughs> but um, I, I think I would have been okay. Well, you never know. Maybe God will get that healing. I'm sorry? I said maybe God will give you that healing. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> We're talking to Marcus Lattimore. And, and now, Marcus, now, I heard, man, that you might be doing a little acting. Talk about oh, that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, again, you know, God, God has been, been good to me, and, you know, he he's – really opened a lot of doors. I have a lot of opportunities uh, here in America, throughout the Southeast, and a lot of people have reached out, you know, for me to come speak or do this or do that, and one in particular was a chance to play my story in a movie, and this came about in May of 2016, right after I graduated. Wow. Uh, a local... Uh, director, producer, founder of North Face Christian Films told me that he wrote my life into a movie and they were going to use it whether I played it or not. Um, and, you know, that was that was really very, very humbling and, and, you know, something that I'm forever grateful for. But I can tell you, actors, I respect them to the utmost now. I have the utmost respect for actors and what they go through and all the preparation because doing a four-minute scene took three hours for me. Wow. Yeah. So, so, Marcus Lattimore, better actor, better football player? <laughs> I got to go with better football player, man, because that was <laughs> tough. Um, I, but I, I prepped. I work hard. I, I have a lot of carryover from the from the game of football. You know, those things you learn from football, they never go away. Uh, the hard work, the discipline, the determination. So I knew I wanted to get it right, and I nailed it. I nailed it, but it was tough for me. It was probably uh, football. It came a little bit natural. Um, and I, I worked. I definitely worked for, for what I got talent-wise, but God, God gave me a gift to run the football, so. I got to go with football over acting. But is this the start of something big for you in the acting world? Man, I've I've had a lot of people reach out um, about doing documentaries on my life, about writing books on my life. Um, It's something that you know is very exciting at the at the time. You know, especially when you get a request about something of that nature. Um, it, it's right. something that excites you, but it's also something you know that can help a lot of people. Um, so I, I, I don't know where that side of my life will take me, um, but if that if the right opportunity opens up, I'm definitely going to jump in, um, jump in full force, and you know take on that. For sure. Now I want to ask you about Leonard Fournette. 
a lot of people are talking about whether or not he should sit out this season. We know he's probably going to be a surefire first-round pick in the NFL. What would be your advice for Leonard Fournette? Well, first of all, I, I, I think that Leonard Fournette is a great human being. Um, just a great person, great individual, and, you know, not even to mention what he does on the field. I mean, it's a a once-in-a-generation running back, once-in-a-generation talent, and whatever he chooses, I support him full. But what I would tell him is make sure that he is informed as possible. Make sure that he sits down with less miles, sits down with all his guys at LSU and really look at this thing. Am I really going to be a top 10 pick? Am I really going to be a top 15 pick? You got to put your family into the equation. I don't know his family circumstances. Um, So there's a lot of variables he has to look at. I would tell him to be informed as possible and make, and in this case, I'm telling him to be selfish. Make the best decision for you. But him being a team guy, I highly doubt he would sit out a whole season. And I wouldn't either because I'm a team guy. He's a team guy. Um, he, he realizes, you know, how much he loves the game of football. <laughs> it's probably not going to happen. But I'm telling him, as a friend, be selfish and make the decision for you. Right. So, so let me ask you a question. Other than sitting out the whole year, what does being selfish look like? Other than sitting out the whole year, what does selfish look like? Yes. I, I mean, I, I'm looking at those outside variables. I'm looking at his family situation. I'm looking at his health. I'm looking at his age, all of those things that contribute to that decision, that's what is considered being selfish. And, I mean, I want what's best for Leonard Fournette. He should, in this situation, he should want what's best for Leonard Fournette. And that's what it's going to come down to, what's best for me, what's best for me. I know, obviously, he's a member of the LSU football team. And he's a team guy, but that that is a once in a generation player. So, so, so let me ask you this now: We we have Steve Spurrier, who retired last season. Talk about his impact on, on your life and on on you as a football player. Steve Spurrier, wow, um, a legend, obviously in the SEC, uh, one of the greatest coaches of all time. But, you know, what I love about Coach Spurrier is, and this is the part that nobody ever sees, he invites us over to his house. We know his wife. We know his kids. We know everything about Steve Spurrier. And we have his number on speed dial if we ever need Coach Steve Spurrier. That's what makes the biggest difference and with him being him he doesn't have to pick up the phone for anybody but i can call coach spurrier right now and he'll pick up the phone and that right there 
you know, just shows what kind of person he is. Yes, he taught me a lot about how to pass block, about passing offense, about running the ball. I mean, it's so much knowledge in that man's head. Um, it's amazing. And he will forever be the greatest coach that I've ever uh, had the privilege of having in my life. Um, he, he means a lot to me and my family, wow. him and Jerry Spurrier. So. We're talking to Marcus Lattimore. Now, Marcus, five years from now, what will we, what will we be saying about Marcus Lattimore? <laughs> Hopefully good stuff. Um, I don't know. I don't know. That's a good question. I don't I don't know where my life will, will end up, but I know uh I will be around youth. Uh I'll do what I can to impact the community here in Columbia, South Carolina, especially in the state of South Carolina. These people mean so much to me. After all the support I received during my times of adversity. Um, this place is amazing. And, and, I mean, just the whole Southeast has been amazing to me and my family. Um, I know I'll be around kids in some capacity. I know I'll be uh, in the community in some capacity. But one thing's for sure, I will always, always love the game of football. Um, so I don't know. I don't know where life will take me. I don't, but um, I'm looking forward to it. Right. I'm, I'm looking forward to the future. I am. So, fans, make sure you go to his website, MarcusLattimoreFoundation.com. Also, hit him up on Twitter, at Marcus Lattimore, and support all the great things going on with Marcus Lattimore. Marcus, man, it was a pleasure. Wish you yeah. nothing but the best of luck moving forward, man. Let's do it again. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I appreciate you uh, for, no for taking the time out. It means a lot. Take care. Take care. Marcus Lattimore, former South Carolina, former San Francisco 49 running back. And just to kind of talk about what he said about Leonard Fournette, you know, being selfish. At, at the end of the day, you play the game of football. I mean, obviously you love the game, but you play the game of football on that level. Well, he's, he's one of the best. I mean, he, he easily could have won, won the Heisman last year. He was on course to win the Heisman. Got derailed a little bit. You know, he got up to a great start. And many thought he was going to be the runaway for the Heisman, runaway winner. But ultimately, he got, you know, ran into Alabama, ran into a few other teams, and that was the end of Leonard Fournette, at least for the Heisman, at least in terms of the Heisman. But I look at him, and I would say sit out. Because football is such a physical, violent game. A running back only has so many hits, so many hits in that body. You can only take so many hits. And at some point, 
the body gives way. So you only have so many hits in that body. And so if, and I know he's not going to do it, but if I'm, I'm the family of Leonard Fournette, I'm like, dude, do what's best for you, and I think you should just sit out. Let's just chill. And, and I know here's the thing. You, you know, obviously, while he's not playing, you can't simulate football. You, you can't simulate football. And the thing is this. And it's not like he has, like, another option in terms of, like, because you have, like, Brandon Jennings, for example, who came out of high school, went overseas for a little bit, instead of going to college, made a little money, and then came back, drafted in the NBA. And so it's not like he has that option where he can continue to play and make a little money while he plays. But at the same time, you – you wonder, man, I, I mean, it, I, I, you, you understand the pros, you understand the cons uh, of sitting out, but I think the pros outweigh the cons because the reality is you can get a big-time knee injury, tear your knee up, and never play the game of football again. At least if you sit out this season, you're still going to go in the first round. you got first-round talent. Just keep yourself in shape. Try to keep yourself in shape. Best as possible. But if he does that and does and keeps himself in tip-top shape, I think somebody's going to give him an opportunity in the first round, even if, he, even if he doesn't play. So I think if I'm Leonard Fournette and I'm his family, I'm like, dude, sit down. Don't risk it. Don't risk it at all. Because the reality is if you risk it, that money that you wanted, that you were trying to get ain't going to be there no more. And it's not going to be there anymore. And so you got to be smart. You got to be wise because before you know it, it could be all over and done. But, I mean, that's the chance you take, and, and I think he's going to play. And I'm, I'm not shocked. But I think he's going to play. But I wouldn't if I was him. Sorry. <laughs> but anyway, the pleasure talking to Marcus Lattimore. And again, I feel like sometimes in life, when you know, at your your worst moment, worst experience, you find a way to to. Find what's your true purpose in life. And I think Marcus Lattimore may have found his true passion, his true passion in life. We'll see. Let's go to the NFL now. And, and we've been hearing this talk over the past few weeks about interviewing James Harrison and Clay Matthews and Mike Dale and Julius Peppers. And based off the Al Jazeera report about PED usage, and now the guys are are going to speak. At one point, they weren't going to speak. They weren't going to talk to the commissioner. They weren't going to talk to the NFL, NFL investigators. But now they decided to do so. And here's my thing. I don't think they should be compelled to talk. I don't think they should have to talk. And I think it's unfair that they have to talk. 
and, it, and this is the end of the day, if you really have nothing to hide, why not talk? I mean, it, it's not like you're going, not going to have a level of union protection in there with you. So go in there, talk, move on with your life. But I will say this. Should they be compelled to talk? Should they have to talk? No, they shouldn't have to talk. They shouldn't be compelled to talk. I think it's unfair. But there's a lot of things that happens in workplaces that are unfair. And so you just can't say, I don't want to talk to my boss. You just can't say, if if your job says you got to come down and talk, you just can't say, I don't want to talk. You can't say that. And now the reality is after that Brady decision, the NFL is empowered, man. They're, 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 they're moving forward. They're winning now in court. They were losing before, but now they're winning. And so they're having some victories. They're filling themselves a little bit, and they're throwing away, throwing around their power. And again, I don't think those guys should have to talk. I don't think it's fair. Not at all. But at the end of the day, Commissioner Goodell says you got to talk. Then you got to talk. You got to talk. And the reality is, see, the thing about these dudes have never failed, never failed a drug test for PED usage. Never. So there's really, in this, the guy involved with the Al Jazeera report, I don't have his name off the top of my head right now, but he said he, he recanted a lot of these things. He said he wasn't telling the truth. So off of that maybe flimsy report, you're moving forward with an investigation and, and compelling these guys to talk. I mean, Peyton Manning talked. Move forward with his life. But did you ever think that that Peyton Manning was, was ever good? You think they were going to find, you think if they found something on Peyton Manning that they would bring it out to the forefront? I don't think so. Not at all. He's a golden boy. You would think Tom Brady was a golden boy too. But the Patriots, he came, Goodell came hard after Tom Brady. Came hard. So the thing about it is if you look at the PED policy, and I'm looking at profootballtalk.com, that it says they, they're really not compelled to talk. They don't have to talk. Here's it says, never mind the fact that the PED policy says nothing about an obligation to cooperate in an investigation regarding a potential violation of the PED policy due to something other than a positive test or an alleged or actual violation of the law. As written, the PED policy seems to give players the right to refuse to say anything until the NFL has developed sufficient credible evidence to justify the imposition of, dis of discipline. Then, if the player chooses to appeal, he tells his, his story within the confines of the appeal process. But, so basically, under the PED policy, 
They don't have to cooperate, but but under I believe it's Article Forty Six, they have to they have to talk. And well, the, well, obviously it's 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 conflicting. You know, Eric Winston, head of the union, said if it was him, he wouldn't talk. You know, so it's NFL Players Association got to come on one accord. But I think sometimes when you have the commissioner who is the head, but he's empowered by owners and he's going to do what's best for his owners. And, and, you know, he's the figurehead basically in a lot of ways. I mean, the 32 owners choose him to represent them in a lot of ways. So, I mean, he's doing, I guess, in some respect, what the owners want him to do. But at the same time, if I look at the situation with Roger Goodell and this whole thing, I, I don't think it's necessary. Like, I think you're wasting time. I, I don't think this is a necessary route to go. There's really nothing to prove at this point. I, I think we, we've seen a report on some level, the person behind it recanted. So it's like, okay, why are you compelling these guys to talk when you really don't have anything? But at the same time, if you're innocent and maybe you have a level of distrust for the NFL, and so maybe that's why you really don't want to talk either. But at the end of the day, if you're innocent, if you're innocent, why not talk? Say what you need to say and move on with your life. I mean, that's it. I mean, it's really simple as talking. Say what you need to say. You're innocent. You have, you, you've done nothing wrong. And you just move on with your life. So we'll see if, if these guys, what these guys say. You know, James Harrison says he wants, you know, cameras and everything else in there with him. And, you know, ultimately, he's the guy who wants the level of privacy. Now, if he doesn't want the privacy, then why not? Not unless they're telling trade secrets. And if they're trailing trade secrets, then I understand why the NFL wouldn't want cameras in there. But if James Harrison, he's the one that would you would think would want to protect his privacy on some level, if he's okay with it, then everybody else should be okay with it. But it's not going to happen. So let's 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 stay in the NFL now. RG three balled out yesterday. I mean, it looked good, especially that over the shoulders throw to Barnage. That was a beautiful throw by RG. That was a beautiful throw by that man. I mean, that was a he, he got that in there, just dropped that in there. That was beautiful, man. That was a thing of beauty. But RG three. You know, I mean, he's six for eight last night, 96 yards, two touchdowns, ran a little bit, three yards, 36 yards, three carries, I should say, 36 cards, 36 yards, can't talk. And, and, and so playing well. And, you know, Hugh Jackson has shown a level of face, faith, excuse me, in RG3. And now, you know, he's, he's going out there and, and balling out. But RG3's got some things going on 
off the field. You know, he's got some things going on off the field. Apparently, according to reports, his wife was blindsided. Blindsided by the divorce. Now, if I'm being honest, RG3's wife and then RG's three, RG3's new girl. New girl looks bad. I mean, if we're being honest about the whole situation. At the same time, at the same time, it's not always about looks. It's about your personality. It's about what type of person you are. I mean, let's be honest. I've been married for 10 years now. You know, and obviously, after a while, you're like, okay. The looks are the looks. And it's really not about the looks. It's about the person. Now, I'm not saying RG3 decided to leave his wife because he found this woman to be better looking. I'm not saying that at all. But apparently, they've been separated for months. And so, at this point, according to reports, she's devastated. And then, RG3, RG3 messes around and puts the new girlfriend's name on his forearm. You serious? He put her name on his forearm. What is RG3 thinking? You never, ever tattoo a girl's name on your body, a man's name on your body. Relationships aren't guaranteed. You never, ever put a woman's name on your body. RG3, you should know that. Especially a, a guy who's going through a divorce. Now, I don't know if this woman was the one, the woman who may have caused their, their, their divorce. I don't know. R23 and his wife's divorce. I don't know. But, I mean, his wife just, just gave birth. Just gave birth. Seven months ago. And now, I mean, she said that the, the ex-wife apparently found out about this whole situation back in April. Apparently, this was a social media relationship. Met on one of the social medias, Instagram, maybe. Yeah, Instagram. <laughs> wow. A tattoo of your girl? No, she's pretty. She's pretty, the new girl. But RG3, I mean, it's a little sloppy, brother. Sloppy from the standpoint that you're tattooing this girl on your your your, your forearm, on your body. So just your, that's just your girlfriend. You ain't even divorced yet. You're not even divorced, and you got another girl's name tattooed on your body. Are you serious? I mean, I I, I want RG three to have nothing but success this year. I hope he can come back and be the guy that we saw in his rookie year. I'm hoping he can do it. But this 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 right here, not a good look. Not a good look at all. It's a bad look. If anything, it's a bad look. And so Marcus, I mean not Marcus, RG3, sloppy. 
just straight sloppy at this point. The tattoo, I mean, already? I mean, she really must be a, must have RG3's head spinning right now. She must have his head spinning right now because he's got the tattoo already. Got the tattoo already. Already. Not even married, not even divorced, and the tattoo is there already. Divorce ain't even finalized. And he's got the tattoo already. Come on. Already? The tattoo is already, you got the tattoo on your forearm? Your divorce ain't even finalized? And you got a tattoo of another girl on your forearm? (laughs) You can't make these things up. But we'll see what R2-3 does throughout the course of this preseason and into the regular season. But he's been, you know, he balled out yesterday. Played well. Played very well. Throw that deep ball to Terrell Pryor. I mean, play well. But you're better than that RG3. At least I think. Darren Sharper. You know, that that's uh, sentenced to 18 years in prison. 18 years. I mean, it, it's shocking. When you look at the Darren Sharper story, when it came out, it, it's just shocking. Like, it, it seemed like it, it did come out of nowhere. And what? It's about 16 victims? Drugging them and, and doing all types of things to them, raping them, and things of that nature? It's like, what are you doing? I mean, initially, it was thought that he, the prosecution, they requested nine years. But the judge had nothing, didn't want nothing to do with that. She wanted 18 years, 220 months. That's a long time. That's a long time. I mean, this 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 is a guy who, Good-looking guy. You know, good-looking brother. You know what I mean? And NFL player, former NFL player. I mean, you would think it wouldn't be, wouldn't be hard for him to get decent women. But obviously, this is something deeper, more sinister than, than, than we can imagine. And you feel it's like, I mean, I was thinking 18 years was enough. But then someone said, you know, I saw on Facebook, someone said maybe he should get life because you murder someone's soul when you rape them. And, and I can, I think that's, there's a, I never been raped. I don't know anybody who's been raped. And, and I don't want to, I don't want to know. I don't want to know anybody who's been raped. That's a sad thing. It's a horrible thing. But obviously it happens. But Darren Sharper. I mean, to, to, you know, have a borderline Hall of Famer, you know, a, a guy who, who who had a good career, won championships, and, and so had success. 
you know, working for the NFL Network at this point. I mean, I don't know his financial situation, but it probably wasn't bad. And, you know, he seemingly a good dude. Seemingly, I don't know. I don't know him at all. But obviously we don't know. But at the same time, you know, it's it's a sad story to see somebody. And I, I mean, actually, you know what? The focus is off Darren Sharper. Focus on these victims. I mean, you, you, you raped all these women, violated these women, you know, did things that are unspeakable. I got a daughter. You know what I mean? And that that's that's troubling, man. That's troubling. You got a wife, that's troubling, man. You know, and you're out here just just raping these women and taking advantage of these women. You know, for whatever reason. I don't know what your motives are. But whatever your motives are, you know, it's a sad. It's a sad situation. Sad story. And so maybe 18 years from now, Dan Sharper will, will become a better person. Will have learned about himself a little more. Will we'll learn why he did what he did. And ultimately the goal, anytime he sends somebody to prison, is to rehabilitate them and become a better person. I mean, it's always possible. But I, I, I would have... I don't think anybody expected something like this. But I, I think at one point it was, like I said, the prosecution recommended nine years and it seemed like he was going to get nine years. And then they came with this. And, and I feel like, again, 18 is about right. 18, I think, is about right. And so, you know, he's, he's getting what he deserves. Some people believe he deserves even worse, even more, even a harsher penalty. Some people believe he deserves life. I don't think so. But if, you, if they did give him life, I don't know how much I would object. But again, the goal... For him, it's become a better person. And again, you hope his victims will will get over what what transpired with them. It's going to take time, of course. And you hope they can get over it. Hope you can get through it. But wow, what a, what a, what a fall! What a fall! I mean, it's just it's amazing. Last half hour go for it starts right now. Go for it, starting right now. 
In this last half hour, we're going to be joined by former NFL player Walter Thurman. He's going to tell you why he made the decision to retire at the age of 28. The right way, I mean, young. Some football left in you. But he said enough was enough, and it was time for him to move on with his life. And moving on with his life meant retirement. But we're going to talk to Walter Thurman about why he made the decision that he made. And before we get there, Team USA basketball has made it on to the gold medal game. They beat Spain today, 82 to 76. Pretty good basketball game, hard fought basketball game. But US with their talent ultimately overwhelmed the Spanish team at the end. And Team USA is where we thought they would be. Team USA is, they're going to win the gold medal. I know Australia, I think Australia plays, I think they play France. And don't quote me on that, I could be wrong on that. But they're, they're going to be in the gold medal game. And this is a team that, you know, you thought they were going to blow out everybody during those exhibition games and then even at the beginning of the Olympics. But then ultimately, you know, a lot of teams came on and then started to play them tough. France played them tough. Australia played them tough. I mean, Australia was up at, what, halftime against that ball club, against the Team USA, against Team USA. So they, they, they are where they thought that we, we thought they would be. And now you got, well, Australia lost to Serbia. So now Team USA will play Serbia in the gold medal game. Serbia played Team USA tough as well. But I think Australia would have been a tougher opponent. But give, give, I mean, I don't know if you give, but Serbia played them tough. Australia played them tough. But ultimately, they won. For all of us who believe they should blow out everybody, the world has caught up. I mean, come on. We can't, they can't blow out everybody. Can't do it. But let me, ask, let me say this. Let me say this. Let me say this. Uh, we, we've had Melo talking about the greatness of a gold medal and, and DeAndre Jordan talking about, you know, a gold medal could be better than the NBA title. So that, I, I, mean, I mean, if that's how you feel, that's how you feel. But sometimes we, we feel like this girl is better than that girl because this girl wants me and that girl doesn't want. You understand what I'm saying? I mean, you're about to get a gold medal. Your chances of getting a gold medal are a lot easier than your chances of winning an NBA title. So sometimes we fall in love with that idea because we know that that idea is more achievable. We, we know that that idea likes us back. We, we know that that woman likes us back. So... But anyway, they did win. They are off to the gold medal game. They should win the gold medal. And, and they should move on, and, and everybody will be happy. You know, DeAndre Jordan, you think it's bigger than an NBA title? You'll enjoy your gold medal. And, and you'll live happily ever after. Because it's going to be very difficult to win an NBA title with KD, Draymond Green, Clay Thompson, and Steph Curry there in Golden State. It's going to be difficult. So it might not happen for you, DeAndre, in 
a Clippers uniform. But anything is possible. <laughs> but I don't think it's going to happen. It was just like Melo when, when they were talking about him. You know, him talking about the goodness and the greatness of a gold medal. And he'll be satisfied if he, if he never won an NBA championship. I mean, everybody likes to talk about, you know, here's the thing. Gold medal is great. It's, it's, it's great. But I, most NBA players would tell you that an NBA championship is better. It, it, you know, it's better. You you dream of, of getting an NBA title. You dream about it. I don't think many, many really, you know, they, they dream about a goal, an NBA title more so than a gold medal. They do. Kyrie Irving says pretty much the same. And he's an NBA champion. Pretty much the same to him. I guess I can accept him saying it because he's won a title. Well, we'll see. Whatever. But let's let's we're going to bring a guy now, Walter Thurman, retired at the age of twenty-eight. Had one of his better seasons with the Philadelphia Eagles. Played safety and played well, and and could have made some decent money in this open market. And definitely could have made some decent money. But he decided that enough was enough. I'm ready to retire. I'm ready to move on with my life. Let's bring him in now. Let's bring him in now. Former NFL player, Walter Thurman. Walter, how are you? I'm doing great. How about yourself? Doing well. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Now, Walter, you balled out last season. Played all 16 games for the first time in your career. You walked away for some good money, man. And you called the quits at the age of 28. Why? I mean, if you look at my, my history playing uh, the past seven years, uh, four of those I've, I've been on uh, just injured reserve list and haven't had that much time on the field. And so just the wear and tear of the game just took its toll on me and uh, just the rigors of, of rehab are just more strenuous than actually you know, practicing and getting ready for games and stuff like that. Um, it was just – I just felt like it was just that time for me to, uh, to walk away. Even with all that money on the table? Yeah, I mean, uh, I think my my health is more important, especially with long term health, especially knowing with the, you know, with the chronic genetic encephalopathy coming out, and you know, myself doing research on that, and just understanding that you know, uh, there's some more important things out there besides uh, just money and that that short term money. Now we we knew that you were kind of leaning towards retirement, but when did you make that final decision? Um, I I mean, I kind of started feeling that way. Um. After my third year in the league, after I broke my leg, kind of, you know, it was starting to wear on me a little bit and um, uh, really felt that I was getting more comfortable after I tore my pec when I was with the, with the Giants. And I didn't want to go out on that note. And so I just uh, wanted to prove to myself that, you know, that I can play in this league. And um, despite with what position that I play, you know, I've been able to play at a high level, playing quarterback and stuff like that. And, you know, I just wanted to get out there. Uh, and be able to compete for a starting job, and I had that opportunity with the Eagles. Let me ask you this. It's all hypothetical. But how many good football years do you think you really do have? Uh, I mean, I think if uh, regardless of the injuries, I think I can play a couple more years for sure, you know, um, just 
just knowing my skill set and um, the knowledge of the game that I do have, um, just the, the passion wasn't there anymore as it once was. We're talking to former NFL player Walter Thurman. Now, let me ask you this now. Training camp is going. Preseason is going. Do you miss it a little bit? Um, actually, I honestly lost track of it. Um, I've been uh, working on, on this film at the end of July, so actually uh, the film process started at the same time as training camp, so I've been so consumed with uh, the production for this film that I kind of lost track of it. I always love the game, you know, especially from the competitive aspect, you know. Um, I am looking forward to see some of my, you know, former teammates and uh, longtime friends, you know, go out and ball out this year and, and see what they're capable of doing. So you talked about your health, and you played six years in this league. First and foremost, how is your health? Um, my health is good for the most part. I mean, there's moments where, you know, knees and shoulders ache and stuff like that, you know. And I think, you know, that's probably going to be just a progressive, you know, uh, deal to where it probably aches a little bit more. But, you know, that's just the, the nature of the game. You know, you, you go out there and, and play this physical sport and, you know, it takes a toll. It just takes a toll on you. Know, no one outlasts the father time. For sure. Was there a specific story or a specific player that kind of led to your decision to retire? Um, I can't say. I think it was just pretty much just my own experiences, you know, just going through the league and, you know, um, with the different injuries and stuff like that. And, um, yeah, like I said, just, just the wear and tear. And, you know, you can't go out there – playing this game, you know, half speed or, you know, three quarters or whatever the case is, you have to be totally committed once you step between those white lines because, you know, it is a very serious game and it is very dangerous. So um, understanding that and, you know, not having that same mindset that once once had with that passion and everything, you know, it was just one of those things to where, you know, um, it, it was just that time, especially for, you know, getting just long-term health. We're talking to former NFL player Walter Thurman. What was the highlight of your career? Uh, the highlight of my career, um, I would probably have to say 2014 going to the Super Bowl. You know, I think that was the the, the highlight of, of my career, just being able to uh, seeing seeing a team come together from the off season and progressing through that whole season, all the trials that we had um, after each game, and ultimately getting to the Super Bowl and you know winning the Super Bowl. It was just it was a great feeling. It was just so the uh, ultimate team aspect to be able to. Um, uh, to win a championship, and then also it actually helped me to understand better what it takes to to move forward with this next phase of my career, as far as films concerned. Because uh, the film a film production is uh, has a lot of same variables as a, a football organization. For sure. Now, now let me let me ask you this now. Football's done. Now you can focus full time on the film industry. You've done some documentaries while you were playing, but what do you got going on now? Um, like I said, just finished shooting uh, a psychological uh, thriller. Um, it, we shot for, for 12 days uh, in the editing process right now. So just working on that. There's a couple other uh, other movies and uh, shows that we have in the pipeline that just trying to develop and, you know, to get out and stuff like that. And so right now it's really just creating, um, really diving into the artistic aspect so are, is Walter Thurman a better filmmaker or a better football player? Uh, it's hard to say right now. <laughs> <laughs>
I mean, I, I mean, yeah, I mean, uh, football is one of those things, especially just, uh, just given the tough breaks that I had in, uh, in, in my NFL career to really wasn't able to showcase my full abilities. Uh, I felt like, you know, um, I think there was, there were spurts and moments, and um, I think this was a, a situation that um, I could be able to show other talents besides my athletic talents um, uh, in the film space. Now, you talk about the injuries. Now, if the injuries never happened and you were healthy throughout the course of your whole career, do you think you would still be playing? Uh, that's a tough one because I uh, I kind of had something in my, my brain, myself, just even before I once I got into the NFL that I wanted to play, you know, until I was about 30, you know, anyway. So I think even if I was healthy, I probably wouldn't have played, you know, a super long career like some of, uh, some of the other guys, especially just with the interest that I have off the field, you know. It was kind of one of those things that just came out more in the forefront as I got injured a little bit to where it started, my interest off the field started to grab me as well. And so, again, it was just one of those things to where um, that passion wasn't there anymore and you just, you just, you just can't play, the, you can't play the, the game of football, especially in the NFL, um, with any hesitation, you know. Was it possible through those injuries that you found your true calling? Actually, I did. Uh, when I saw my knee my, my senior year in college, uh, I just put things in perspective as far as, like, you know, the shelf life of a, of a football player and understanding, you know, the average career before I even got into the league was three years, you know, just understanding those different things and just forced me to think about my passions and what I want to do post-career. And I was able to start learning in uh, the film space and starting to dive into that, you know, a lot more as my time progressed. And then obviously with the injuries, I had more time to dive into that space as well. Uh, That's kind of one of those things that everything happens for a reason, but, you know, I mean, I really enjoyed my time. I, I learned so much playing in, in NFL in different uh, organizations, you know, and uh, I, I mean, it is a truly humbling experience. We're talking to former NFL player Walter Thurman. Did you have a favorite teammate? Favorite teammate? I, I mean, a couple of guys that, you know, they were my guys uh, on, on different teams. The NFL is just, you know, just, just a lot of personalities, a lot of great, genuine people who, um, who actually care, though, you know? I mean, and I, I mean that from, like, a, a philanthropic standpoint, you know, people that give back to the communities and stuff like that. See, a lot of people think that it's just, you know, a lot for show, but, you know, these are these are guys who um, understand where those little kids are coming from because they were those little kids at one point, and it's one of those things they never had those mentors to come back and, and to push them, not just only in football, but also push them in their education and uh, academics and stuff like that, you know, and so... Um, I think that's one of the biggest things that I do admire about a lot of guys in the NFL that, you know, they're they're going back to their, their small-town communities and trying to help these kids get out of their environments and situations to be able to pursue themselves, not just in, in athletics, but just more as an individual and, you know, as a, as, a, as, an, as a man or a woman in their space. Now, over the years, we've seen a lot of guys retire before the age of 30, is this going to be a trend, you think, moving forward with all that we know about concussions, CTE, and all those all those things? Um, I think I think so, personally. You know, I mean, it's actually a fascinating thing when you do the research on CTE and understand just the – it's just the defense mechanism for the brain to protect itself from those repeated hits, you know. It's pretty fascinating, but also with that, it's, uh, it's detrimental because it actually it hurts you in the long run, you know. 
um, from the from the brain trying to protect itself. And I think that's going to be one of those things that um, it's one of those things you, you can't make a vicious game safe. You know, even though they're trying to do it so much, you know, guys are getting bigger, faster, stronger to where you just do the physics. Uh, that force is still going to be that same force, regardless if you have a you know a, a super gigantic helmet on, you're still going to feel that impact. You know, so I mean, it's one of those things to where. It's going to be interesting to see how long, you know, just football in general lasts in, in this country. Um, with, with that being said, you know, um, it's the only, only time will tell. Yeah, that's definitely a great, great point. I mean, you see a lot of parents now steering their kids away from the game of football. So, I mean, there is a good possibility that 10, 20 years from now, the NFL possibly may not be. I don't know. I mean, yeah. it's, that's hard to say. It's, it's, yeah, I mean, it's one of those things where it's, it's such a, a you know a, a mega industry and it generates so much money for a lot of people to where you know you're you're stepping on a lot of hands if you you stop that business, you know. Um, and I think they're trying to find as much ways and trying to, like you said, get families uh, on board to let their kids play. But you know, you're putting kids in harm's way when their brains aren't even developed. It takes you until you're 25, 26 year olds for your for your frontal lobe to be fully developed. So, I mean, it's one of those things to where it's, it's, it's tough to say, you know, it's tough because it's, you're, you're messing with something so fragile like someone's mind. And, um, and then, obviously, the, you already have documented um, effects because of, you know, that repeated, you know, head trauma, regardless if it's with football or if it's in any type of deal, you know. You would think with, with, with all the money and all the technologies out, that's out there, that they could find something in some way to to protect the brain. I mean, find a special type of helmet. I mean, you would think. Yeah, I I, I, I think the game was the safest almost when they didn't have helmets because once you had the helmet, it um I'm a, I'm a history guy, so like once you once you once you got that the helmet, it gave guys a false sense of security to where they actually used it as a weapon as opposed to moving their head and taking it out of the game, you know. And so now they're having to revert back to teaching guys how to tackle and the proper way to do these things when that was kind of understood, you know, sort of way back when, you know. For sure, for sure. I mean, we'll see what happens. It should be very, very interesting. We're talking to former NFL player Walter Thurman. Now, Walter, if you had to make a film on your career, what would that look like? It would be uh, a lot of trials and perseverance, for sure. Um, Showing that you know, regardless of the things that stacked up, the things that stacked up against you, you can still persevere through those situations and um, and be successful. For sure, for sure, you most definitely did that, and not many people can say they went out on top. I mean, you had your best season, and that was your last season. Yeah, I think from a from a statistical standpoint, you know, it was my best. It was my best season, but personally, I think that um, you know, it, it it was it was all right. Um, just from a technique standpoint and stuff like that. I think, again, I think that uh, that 2014 year was my best year just from all the uh, – not from a statistical standpoint, you know, but more more or less from, like, technique and okay. um, what I was able to do and contribute to the team personally for me, you know. Six years in the NFL, average NFL career, like you said, is about three years. You beat that. All in all, any regrets? No, I, I don't. I don't have any regrets. You know, I learned so much. I learned from 
all my coaches and, and teammates and anyone else that I came in contact with through that time, you know, so I, I really don't have any regrets and it was a great uh, life experience for sure. So, so let me ask you this and you're only 29 years old. Do you think, and it's hard to say now, but do you think you'll get the itch, the urge to return? I mean, you went out on top. Um, I, I've always been, I've always been an athlete, you know, so like I, I didn't start playing football until like I was 14. I was always immersed in uh, a bunch of other different sports. And so, I mean, I've been able to, to get out and, you know, play some, you know, some soccer and do some things outside of that to be able to hone those, that, that urge, that itch and stuff like that, you know. But as far as playing at that high level, I, it's hard to say at the moment, you know. I would have to, I think, I think everyone, I think everyone get, will get that itch once, uh, once upon a time, you know. Will you scratch that itch? I don't think I, I don't think I'll scratch that itch in, in that manner. No. Okay. Okay. So so let me ask you this: You're doing the film thing. What else is going on with Walter Thurman? Um, just trying to make some moves. Uh, getting ready to uh, have some future to to open up a like a do like an art gallery. I, I paint as well too. So um, okay. just getting in the in the process of uh, getting some artwork and stuff like that done. Um, just yeah, the main the main focus at the moment is is doing uh, the film stuff right now. So when when should we expect to see something in terms of film wise? Um, we're in the editing process for a feature film, so that should be done uh, um, the end of this year, and and trying to get on to uh, some some avenues uh, early next year. So yeah, I should have something by the end of the season. <laughs> Sounds good. So so fans. Make sure you hit this man up on Twitter at WaltTherm3, Instagram, KingWalt6, and also go to his website, thirdbrand.com, and support all the great things going on with Walter Thurman. Let, let me ask you this before we get out of here. You played in Philadelphia last year with Chip Kelly. You also played with Chip Kelly in Oregon. What do you think went wrong with Chip Kelly in Philadelphia? Um... I, mean, I I personally thought we had a you know a, a good a good team and I thought they were going to be able to to do some things as well. It's just one of those things getting everybody on the same accord, you know, uh, on the team and I think that was one of the the deals. I don't know if it was lack of time or um, just I think this guy just wasn't really feeling his style. But the one thing that he that he did bring to the table was that championship mentality, and I don't understand why. Why guys didn't uh, gravitate towards that, you know, especially coming from me, me personally and a couple other guys coming from championship teams understood and realized that um, some people's um, methods are unorthodox at at times. I mean, I come from a situation dealing with Pete and his methods are unorthodox, but you know, he's been to uh, two Super Bowls already, you know, and with winning one. So it's it's one of those deals. I think he's. Uh, I think he just needs to find the, the right group of guys to bring in to uh, to really believe in his uh, ideals and philosophies. Um, and I think he's going to have some success once, once that happens. Now, do you think you were in that locker room? Did, like, the perception is that he lost the locker room. You were in there. Did you sense that? I mean, you can say that the locker room is kind of divided, for sure. I mean, yeah, I mean, you have guys, you know, talking out against the establishment and stuff like that. So, yeah, for sure, the, the locker room was a little bit divided. And, again, it just comes back from, you know, guys um, 
guys' egos. <laughs> That's the one thing with the NFL is having to manage and deal with uh, multiple different personalities and egos and uh, once you're able to, to do that and, and hone all those, I think that's when you're able to uh, have success uh, in, the, in this league. I think it was just a matter of him filling out, coming from college into uh, a grown man's game to where everyone has a little bit more say-so and opinion, uh, more opinionated to where I think him figuring that out will allow him to be able to grow as a coach and the person as well, you know, to be able to, so he can be successful. So it goes, I think it goes both ways from a, from a coach aspect and a player's aspect, you know. You have to be able to learn and listen to your players as well, you know. For sure, for sure. So all in all, do, do you think you'll follow football much this year? You'll follow it, you think? I, I, I think I will. Like I said, I, mean, I have, a, I have a, a lot of friends who are, who are, who are still playing uh, that I'm close with and, and really are just on that verge to uh, – making an impact and having a name for themselves in this league and stuff like that. Um, my guy, Eddie Pleasant with the Texans. So I'm, I'm really looking, excited to see him play and uh, see what he does this year. So nothing in terms – you don't see yourself coaching or anything like that? Not coaching is so time-consuming. Um, okay. No, I wouldn't coach. If anything, it would be more to, to help and hone uh, youth skills than anything as opposed to – coaching uh I, I might may go back to my old high school and help out okay okay pleasure talking to you man wish you nothing but the best of luck moving forward would love to do it again thank you man yeah appreciate everything and uh just let me know i'll be back all right take care walter thurman former nfl star and now he's retired moving on with his life on to the next with Walter Thurman, and we'll see what that on to the next looks like. 28 years, 29 years old now, so who knows if he will make a comeback if he does get that itch, that urge to make a comeback, to decide to he wants a little bit more. Time will be the judge of that. It should be very interesting. But um, we'll see if he can stay retired. What a pleasure talking to Walter Thurman. And you got to give him credit from for this standpoint. It's sometimes we don't know when to get out of a situation. We always tend to stay too long, especially if you really enjoy. You tend you tend to stay too long because you enjoy it. It gives you pleasure. You know what I mean. It, it does a lot for you. And sometimes because of that, we stay. We tend to stay too long. But give a guy credit for getting out. And knowing when it's time to leave, because a lot of people don't know when that moment, that time is. But he, he, being Walter Thurman at this point in time, knew that this was the perfect time for him to get out, and he's out, moved on with his life. Nick Young, um, apparently that you know the Lakers have tried to trade him and have not been very successful in doing so. There's been talks that they may move forward without him, move him on, release him, because they can't find a partner, can't find a trade partner at this point for Nick Swaggy P. Nick Young did say he can work it out with D'Angelo Russell. Everything's good. Everything is cool. They can move forward, so on and so forth. And I think he's saying that to save his high because he wants to stay out there in La La Land. And I don't blame him. 
But at the same time, you know, if I'm the Los Angeles Lakers, I don't think he's worth having around. I think he, they should move on without him. And, and I, we had Nick Young on the show. Fun, fun guy. Very fun guy, man. Enjoyed my time with Nick Young on the show. But um, I, I think if you're Lakers, you got to be smart about the future. And I think you have to move on from Nick Young, keep D'Angelo Russell, and move forward. I want to thank Walter Thurman for stopping by. Also want to thank Marcus Lattimore for stopping by. You can listen to this show and other great shows, blogtalkradio.com slash pgant. Hit us up on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash go4gant. Hit us up on Twitter at go4gant. And we were at the Allen Iverson Celebrity Basketball Game. Did some nice interviews, Danny Garcia, Moore, Gary Moore, and Iverson, um, Jumaine Jones, I mean, a few people, a few other people. But make sure you go and check it out there on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash go for game, which is G O F O R I T G A N T. So for everybody here, go for it. We hope you have a great weekend. The summer is almost over. The NFL season is almost here. So it's a good time to be alive.